morning, everyone. It's so good to be able to be uh, gathering together with one another. If you're at home streaming live, we're, we're glad that you are here with us, whether you're at home uh, within this community or whether you're across the nation or maybe on the other side of the, the planet itself in, in China or India or places like that. Also, for those of you who are out in the parking lot, we want you to know that we're glad that you're here with us as, as well. And of course, this is different, isn't it? I mean, to be able to gather together, it's kind of baby steps right now, but being able to gather together in person is just a, a great a feeling. I say it's different because three weeks ago, I was preaching to an empty audience with no one here whatsoever other than maybe three or four other, other men that were helping us with the, the service. Uh, and it's different from what it was at the 1st of March when we had 330 to 360 of us crowded inside the auditorium as well as in our remote, remote service. And so uh, we're just going through some different times as a congregation. You know, it's a blessing to be able to come and to spend time worshiping God together with one another. And as we move forward, we're going, like I said, in baby steps. And so we've begun with a couple services with 50 in each. But on August, August the 23rd, um, if everything stays the same as it is in terms of the stage, then we'll be able to have 50 here in this auditorium as well as 50 in the remote uh, section as, as well, and then in the second service as well. So we can possibly have at least 200 people, and if we max those out, then we can make plans to uh, have maybe more services than that. So I would encourage you that uh, for those of you at home streaming or out in the parking lot, I would encourage you to think about uh, coming and attending. Even this morning, I can see that we're not up to 50 here, and so uh, don't be shy about coming. I know that there's some reservations because of the virus and so forth, but, but we're doing everything we can in terms of protocols to make sure that everyone stays safe. And so let me encourage you to make sure that you're making reservations to come and to attend uh, with us as we worship together with one another. It's so important that we are together with one another. This morning, I want to begin by sharing with you a, a couple stories about two individuals. This here is Sugar Shane Mosley. Uh, he is a world champion boxer. He is now retired. But during his time as a boxer, he had a lot of titles. He had a lot of success in his boxing. He had uh, 49 wins as uh, at 10 losses and one tie. He knows about winning. He knows about losing. And obviously, he had a lot more wins than he had, had losses. He was a three-time, uh, he, he, he um, had a number of championships, the IBF, uh, the WBA, the WBC. Uh, he, I mean, this guy was uh, an incredible boxer uh, in his time. The other fellow behind me is Antonio, the Tornado of Tijuana, uh, Margarito. He, too, is a world champion a boxer, now re retired. He, too, has a, had a, a lot of different uh, championship titles that are under his belt. He had a win-loss of 41 wins and 8 losses. This next picture is a picture of Margarito and mostly in a boxing match where they are fighting for a title. And as you look at the picture behind me, you might notice that, well, Margarito, he's getting pummeled by Mosley. I mean, he's getting beat up really bad in this particular boxing match. Uh, you suppose that maybe he wanted to, uh, to give up or wanted to just give in at some point during that boxing match? I mean, usually boxers, they're built to, to win and to survive, uh, but this guy is getting beat up pretty bad, so much so that Margarito's corner, they throw the towel in in order to stop the fight, in order that they might be able to protect their, their boxer or their fighter. Throwing in a towel, when someone talks about throwing in a towel, it's saying that you're done, you are, you're, you're quitting. Well, what do these two men have in, in common? Well, both had a lot of wins. 
But they also suffered losses. They had even knockouts. They were knocked out themselves. But they never gave up. They never gave in, and they never threw in the towel. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, now, wait a minute. Uh, Margarito, he threw in the towel. No, he didn't. His corner threw the towel in. And just because someone throws a towel doesn't mean the match is over. Only the referee can decide whether the match is over. Even after his corner throws in a towel, he can throw it back out and say the fighter can continue on. And that has been done a number of times throughout, throughout history. Sometimes a fighter himself can say, I'm done as well. Roberto Duran against Sugar Ray Leonard in the boxing match that he had for the title there. Sugar Ray Leonard was beating him up so bad that he cried out, no mas, no mas, which means no more, no more, he was done. And if his corner wasn't going to throw the towel in, then he was going to say it is finished. So what do these two have in common? Well, what they have in common is that of perseverance. These guys are able to hang in in a fight. Now, I've said that all to you in order to talk about this next thing, and that is, have you ever felt like just calling it quits? Have you ever felt like you just wanted to give up and throw in the towel? The feeling can apply to a number of areas in our lives, several areas in our lives where we just say, I just can't go anymore. I've had enough. I want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. How about as a Christian? You ever got so beat up as a Christian that you just said, I just can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. All of us, I believe, at one time or another, have wanted to give up, to give in, to throw in the towel. You say, well, not if you're really faithful, not if you're just a spiritual giant, you're going to throw in the towel. Well, later on, I'm going to share with you some great heroes of the Bible who wanted to give up, who wanted to give in, who are more than happy to throw in the towel. All of us have been there at one time in our lives, and it could be, even this morning, for those of you who are on the sound of my voice, there may be even times where you are in that place where you just want to give up. Maybe you're there right now where you said, I just can't go anymore. I'm, I'm done with this. Well, Peter understood what it was to find himself under a lot of pressure. And in our ongoing theme of identity, embracing our true nature, as Peter is writing to his readers, he knows that they're under an extreme amount of pressure, that they are being persecuted, that they are suffering. I mean, in real time because of their faith. And so as Peter writes to them, he talks to them about this true nature, this divine nature, this new reality that he has given to them in life. And, and as he talks to them about it, he tells them, listen, there are some things that you need to add to your faith. There are some qualities that you can add to your faith that will ensure that you're able to be fruitful and that you're able to do some great things and that you're going to be able to hang in there even in the most difficult of, of times. So he says, when it comes to your faith, add to it moral excellence. And to your moral excellence, add knowledge. And to your knowledge, add self-control. And to your self-control, add perseverance. Being able to be in there now, last couple, of, well, I guess maybe three weeks, four weeks ago, I talked to you about moral excellence. And I said to you that moral excellence is choosing to do that which is right, even in the face of of temptation, even in, in the face of a lot of peer pressure that might come to you from society or culture or maybe even your friends, there are things that are going to come at you. Moral excellence says that you will choose that which is right, even when there might be this desire to choose that which is wrong. We talked about embracing knowledge. The idea of knowledge here is to know the difference between right and wrong. In order to make an excellent choice, then you got to know what the right thing is and what the wrong thing is. And God has revealed to us what is acceptable to him and what is unacceptable to him. 
And then last week, we talked about the challenge of embracing self-control or mastering our, ourselves. It stops us from doing the wrong things, and it keeps us doing the right things. And so there's this need for self-control. And I believe I said that, you know, when it comes down to self-control, that's the one that I struggle with the most that's the one that is the hardest for me as i think about my life and how i'm living it as a follower of of jesus christ this morning i want to talk to you about perseverance chrysostom who was an early church father he said that perseverance is the queen of virtues that it is a virtue that is so needed in the times in which we we live because well peter uh, he tells us that perseverance is a part of our true nature. So what does he talk about perseverance? Well, he, he tells us because that's who we're supposed to be. That's supposed to be a part of who we are. And he does so because he knows that walking the Christian life cannot be an easy life. Anyone who says to you being a Christian is easy, that it doesn't take a lot of strength, a lot of endurance, has not walked the Christian life, has not lived the Christian life. Peter knows that life can be really hard, that life can be full of struggles, it can be full of obstacles, problems, and trials, and, and suffering. In Peter's day, like I said to you, they were going through all kinds of suffering. They were losing lands, they are being thrown into prison, some of them having their lives uh, taken from them. And so Peter says, listen, you're going to need to be one that endures. You're going to have to have a spirit of perseverance to get you through this. And even though our problems are not the same as their problems back then, we still have our, our problems. We have a pandemic that we as, a, a, as the globe, as people in this generation, we've never faced anything like this for those who are older i'm talking about in their late 80s and 90s who went through the the depression they know something about a little bit about what we're going through but this pandemic is is a global kind of thing and it really does stretch us and it really does call for us to practice perseverance and then of course there's the political thing that's going on now there is racial tension that is around us there is rioting in the streets and and anarchy and and we look at those things and we wonder what in the world is going on. And then there's the things that we're just going through personally in our own uh, lives. It could have to do with economics. It might have to do with our health. It might have to do with the loss of a, a loved one. But a lot of things can come at us. And it's at moments like this that we need to really persevere. So what is perseverance? Well, perseverance is steady persistence. It's adhering to a course of action, a belief, or a purpose. Steadfastness in purpose in spite of the difficulties or obstacles or discouragement that might come at us. Uh, I think it's the New International Version, instead of saying add to you know, your self-control uh, perseverance, it uses the word endurance there. The word that is used, that Peter uses in the original language, is the word hupomone. Hupo, which means under, and Monet, which means to abide. And so when Peter is using this word there, he's telling that you need to be able to abide under pressure. There's going to be a lot of pressure that's going to come at you, that's going to come crushing down upon you, pressing down upon you, and you need to be able to abide under pressure because pressure is going to be something that's going to come at us. So we're talking about struggles, obstacles, trials, uh, suffering. In classical Greece, perseverance, well, it was described as the ability of a plant to thrive in a harsh environment. And that's what Christians oftentimes find themselves in. We find ourselves in a harsh environment where we, where we, we just got to hang in there. We just have to stay at it and stay in there rather than giving up or giving in or throwing in the towel. So spiritually abiding under pressure. 
probably the most classical passage of Scripture that we can think of when we talk about pressure would be James, the first chapter. And in that section, verses 2 and 3, James says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in, in nothing. But when you talk about endurance, that's that word hupomone. And so he says that you might be complete, that you might endure, that you might, that you might persevere. And so as Christians, we have to persevere. And as was read to us from Romans or from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 2, there it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's led us the way, but it's going to be a race. And it's an endurance race. It's a race that it demands perseverance on our behalf. So spiritual perseverance is the quality that gets Christians through a discouragement. It's the quality that calls them back from temptation to quit and to remain faithful. It's the quality that doesn't let trials of life steal our joy. In fact, sometimes the struggles that we go through, sometimes the, the, the obstacles that we have to go over have the, has the potential of stealing joy out of our lives. Uh, but we have to persevere in that. And I think that's why Paul, even while in prison, would say, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known unto all men that the Lord is near. And so there's this need to persevere and to hang in there. But perseverance is not always easy. There are lots of examples in the scriptures of men who had enough, who just wanted to quit, who wanted to throw in the towel, if, if you will. I'm talking about, uh, about people who are feeling pressed uh, from all different directions in their life. And many of them, like I said, are great heroes of the Bible. I mean, great men that you wouldn't think, you know, we look at them and we see them as the bedrock of what faith is about, only to find out that they at times wanted to be done. Un, un, you know, Old Testament heroes under uh, pressure. For instance, Moses. Moses is the lawgiver. When we think of Moses, we think about this guy that is, you know, uh, 10 feet tall. He, he's huge in terms of, of faith. In fact, of him, God said, there's no one with a faith like, like Moses. But even Moses had a point where he was so pressured that he wanted to quit. Over in Numbers, the 11th chapter, uh, the children of Israel have exited out of Egypt. They're not even 40 days out of Egypt, and the people begin to complain to him. They begin to cry and to, and to weep and to murmur about the fact that we're tired of this manna, this white stuff we're eating. We want some some meat and god has had enough with them as well and so god says i'm just going to destroy these people and so moses he finds himself between god and between the children of of israel and the pressure is so strong for him that he will say these words he's speaking to god he says i alone am not able to carry all this people because it is too burdensome for me so if you are going to deal with me this way please kill me at once there's a guy who wants to give up, give in, throw in the towel. The pressure is so strong that he just, he's had it enough. Thank goodness he didn't give up. He's able to continue on. Or, or Joshua, the greatest general handpicked by God to succeed uh, Moses, he takes the children across the Jordan River. They attack the city of Jericho, which is a fortress city, a double-walled city, and without firing a shot, they take the city, a great victory. 
the next step was ai and they go to ai and they get trounced they get beaten and he loses a lot of men and joshua at that moment is thinking you know it'd been better for me if i just stayed on the other side of the river in fact that's exactly what he said in joshua 7 and verse 7 would to god that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jor of the jordan it's almost like he was saying is this what we get for serving god if this what we if this is what we get for serving god then i want out i wish we just would have stayed on the other side of the jordan now He's very short-sighted, you know, he, his memory is very short because if he remembers what happened on the other side of the Jordan for 40 years was a whole generation of people, possibly even a million people, were dead and buried in the desert and now a new generation has followed him across the Jordan along with, with Caleb, the two faithful individuals. But he wanted to give up and to, to give in. Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. There's a reason why he's called the re weeping prophet. He's called the weeping prophet because people hated him. They hated his preaching. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They even tried to take his life from him. And he's had enough. And he said in Jeremiah 9 and verse 2, Oh, that I had a wilderness lodging, a place for travelers, that I might leave my people and go from them. At another point in the 20th chapter, he is so fed up with things that he says, I will not mention him, that's God, or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And so he continues on, but let me tell you, Jeremiah wanted to quit. He wanted to give up. He wanted to throw in the town, of course, I could mention Elijah who had just defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. And here's that, you know, that um, uh, Jezebel, the queen, is, wants his life. He says, before this day over, I'll have his life. And he runs for his life, finds himself under a juniper tree, and his prayer to God was, just take my life. Just kill me. Elijah wanted to give up, to give in, and to throw in the towel. Great heroes of the Bible and it's not just these guys, even there are those in the New Testament that felt a lot of pressure. Remember Peter, James, and John, and Nathaniel, and Thomas, when they, after Jesus had been crucified on the cross, they gave up, they gave in, and went back to fishing. And then they found out that Jesus had resurrected, and now they're back in the game, but they were ready to be done, to throw in the, the towel. Or how about Paul the Apostle? When you think of men of strength, when you think of people of perseverance or endurance, then right away you think of the apostle Paul. But in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3, as he speaks to the Corinthians, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he had good reason because on the second missionary journey, he'd been thrown in jail, he had been beaten and left for dead. In Athens, he was called a, a, a bird seed picker, a bird brain, you know, and now he, he leaves and he's traveled like 53 miles from Athens to Corinth to probably the most sinful city of that day other than maybe Rome itself. And he goes to that city and he feels a lot of pressure. By the way, he's not going with his friends. Silas and, and Timothy are not with him. He's all alone. And he gets to the city and he says, I was, I was with you in much, uh, with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Open your Bibles, if you will, over to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Because I believe that in this section, um, 
Paul is going to give us some reasons to persevere. Listen to what he says. I want you to, to look at verse, um, verses 9 and following. Remember, he's in Corinth in, in much trembling and fear. Listen to what he says. And the Lord said to Paul in, a night, in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And so in this section, God's presence gives us staying power. It allows us to stay in there under pressure, under difficulties. Notice what he says to Paul. He says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. Actually, literally it means, for I myself will be with you. I'm not deserting you. I'll be with you through all of this. That's something that we need to be reminded of. God's presence promises to help us to overcome fear. Why is it? Because God knows that there's a, a great many things that can cause fear in our lives. I mean, lots of things come at us. I mean, think about what we're going through as a nation now with a pandemic. Well, why aren't more people here this morning? Well, I can tell you why, because they're afraid. And I understand that, by the way. They're afraid they don't want to get the virus. Some can't afford to get the virus. And so I get, I, I get that, but we're afraid of that. We're afraid of the political season that, is, uh, uh, that we're in the middle of. Uh, we are afraid of the racial tension that is around us. Will it divide our country? Will it destroy our country? Will it cause it to come unraveled at the, the scene? Uh, we look at what's going on in places like Portland and Seattle and Chicago and other places, and we see the rioting in the streets, and, and it makes us afraid. We're afraid of, are we going to have a job in the next week or months to, to come? Uh, we're afraid of health. So we're afraid of a lot of things, and he knows that. And, and I think God knows it, and that's why the word fear is mentioned like 400 times in the Bible for almost everything that you can possibly imagine God says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Paul is in a serious place in, in Corinth. He's eyes with you in trembling and much fear. And God says, but listen, do not be afraid. Do not be silent. Keep on speaking because I am going to be with you. And we just need to remember that, that God is going to be with us. Secondly, God's presence is going to be with us in times of, of loneliness. He promises to be with us, to take care of us. And the way he does it is he oftentimes sends people. We become the arms and the hands that will be there for one another. I don't know if you've seen this on, on Facebook, but I've noticed several people are, have, you know, they have uh, copied and, and pasted. But he said, listen, if, if any of you are having struggles or difficulties through this time, if it's an e economical kind of thing, don't go without eating. Don't go without your needs being met. Please let us know. Please let me know. I'll come over, drop food at your door. You know, you want to know I, I have been there. That's just people wanting to reach out. Lori's mom, you know, was, uh, you know, she was, um, uh, has been in need of help. And, and Lori has been in need of help, and some, several families have brought food over even to our house. What a great act of love. God oftentimes sends people 
uh, to help us. If you go back in the 18th chapter, verses 1 and 2, it says, After these things, it says, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he came to them. Why? Well, well they're tent makers, and so they had something in common. So let me ask you, do you think that that was just by perchance? Just a, a coincidence? That Paul ends up in Corinth in fear and, and trembling, and all of a sudden you have these two people who are strong in their own right, Priscilla and Aquila, to be there for them? Look at verse 5. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the, the Christ. And now he's afraid, but God says, you keep on speaking. Why? Because I'm going to be there for you. And he was there for him in terms of Priscilla and Aquila and Timothy and, and Silas. So we had people to come along our side in in life and all you have to do is just think about your past and think about people who have come to you and your time of of need god knows what our needs are and he promises to be with us so god's presence is going to be with us even in the valley when feeling the pressure of defeat or discouragement or sickness or financial reversal or heartache or family problems remember that the god of the mountain is still the god of the valley that he's going to be with us. I think I may have used this illustration before. I can't remember. A little boy was at school and he was talking to his mom after school and one of his friends, he hadn't been there in like three days and when the little boy finally showed up to school, he told the story of why he hadn't been to school for the last three days and the reason was because his dad had died. So he told his schoolmates, my dad died and then the little boy says, and mom, he just put his head on, on his desk and he just started to cry. And his mom asked the little boy, she goes, so what did you do? He goes, Mom, I didn't know what to do. So I just put my head on the desk beside his head and cried with him. Being able to be there for one another, even when we're in the valley, there are those who, who care about us and, and love us. And in this time, we need to be here for one another. God gives us a purpose. If you look again at verse 9 and 10, Paul says, God says to him, don't be afraid any longer, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. What is God telling him? God's telling Paul that you have a purpose. There's a reason for you to be in Corinth because there are many people that are not identified yet, but I know who they are that are, are there, and you need to know that as well, and that you need to continue on with your, your job. God says to Paul, he says, listen, he said, uh, there's no man that's going to harm you there. Now, what you're going to say right off the bat is you're going to say, yeah, but can't, you know, you just told us that he was thrown in jail, that he was beaten several times, you know, and that he eventually loses his head in Rome. But not until he is finished. Jesus went through a lot, but not until he said on the cross, it is finished. And Paul wasn't done, he says, until he said, I have kept the faith i have finished the course you know i've gone all the way until he had finished and so god gave him the strength to carry out his purpose to the end and even if they took his life paul says there is a award that is awaiting me a crown of righteousness for all those who, who persevere who endure and not only that we don't know always what the plans are that are 
before us. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so he's telling we have reasons to endure. So now is not the time to give up or to, to quit. Ahead of us, uh, he's our guide. Behind us, he's our guard. Under us, he's our everlasting arms. Above us, if we'll look up, he's an ever-present reality until we're with him in glory. Being able to trust in him. Perseverance. A steadfast spirit that hangs in there under, while under pressure. And we're going to go through pressure. And so that's why I believe why, what Peter says. To your faith add moral excellence. To your moral excellence, knowledge. To your knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Endurance. Steadfastness. I love what Paul ends the 15th chapter of Corinthians with in verse 58. He says, be ye therefore steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. He's talking about a perseverance to abide under pressure. So perseverance is not a long race. It's many short races, one after another. The unrelenting spirit to never quit to give in or to throw in the towel. So may God bless you as you think about adding this quality to your life that's a part of your new nature and as you find your identity that is in Christ. So there might be some need, maybe you're going through some struggle or trial that we don't know about that you want to let us know about. If you would like to respond, then you can come forward and we can pray with you and pray for you about those things. Or if you're at home and you're going through some difficulties, Please let someone know. Certainly let one of the elders know. Let Jared know or, or Clint. And we, we'll do everything we can to help you through whatever you're going through. Let us be a part of God's arms helping you out. Whatever your need is, uh, won't you respond while we, I guess, have an opportunity to stand and sing this song.